There's a stigma around counselling about people sort of finding out or just an embarrassment or a shame that we're having to deal with this stuff. Um, and that's something that we're trying very hard to break here at Exodus so we can, I guess, reach as, as many people as we can and have as big of an impact as we can. You know, mental illness is no different than any other illness. We, we all get sick, we go to the doctor, there's no shame in that. Yes. Um, it's the exact same thing, it's just an illness of the mind. Um, it's very prevalent in our community, it's very prevalent in our society. Um, everyone's got something going on, myself included. We're all in, you know, we're all doing life together. Um, so we're trying to really break this this stigma and this shame about accessing services when things aren't going so well. Mm. Welcome to Coffee with Bishop Suriel, a podcast for all things Coptic. This is a conversation about authentic Christian faith, Coptic history, patristic writings, the family, arts and music, religious education, youth matters, evangelism, and much more. Bishop Suriel likes his coffee like he likes his conversation, light, sweet, and scorching. We'll be joined by an array of guests who'll share their experiences, their backgrounds, and their insights to bring about an exciting discussion, and we hope you agree. Enjoy the podcast, and please welcome our host, Bishop Suriel. As we're joined by Debbie Armanios, the director of Exodus Youth Works, an innovative way of serving youth in crisis. And we're also joined by the welfare director of Exodus Youth Works, Kiro Salib. This is part three in our three-part series. Here's His Grace and our special guests. Your Grace. Irini Parsi, peace be with you. Today we come to part three of our conversation, and in fact the final part of our dialogue with Debbie Armanius on Exodus Youth Works. However, today I'm also excited to welcome Corollos Salib, who is the welfare manager at Exodus Youth Works for the past seven months. Kiro was previously working for the Government Family and Community Services Department as a senior New South Wales manager. He's also a founding member of Exodus Youth Works. Welcome, Kiro, to Coffee with Bishop Cyril, and welcome back, Debbie. So, Kiro, I saw this interesting photo on the Exodus Youth Works Instagram page from December 12, 2019. I guess it was the day you began working at Exodus Youth Works. It shows two images, one on the day you began with a cup of coffee in your hand, just like me, <laughs> and then a similar image six months later with all gray hair. So has this actually been your experience at Exodus Youth Works? Is that really what has happened to you? <laughs> I say it, no, 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 not at all. That's, um, that's our way, Exodus, of trying to be funny and balancing um, humor with, with the more serious work that we do. Um, so it was just in good humor, but absolutely not. My experience has been the exact opposite. It's been fantastic. Well, that's really wonderful to hear. And it's always important to mix humor in with serious work and it lightens up the day. So it was uh, lovely to see that photo. So welcome. Uh, Debbie, what are the programs that Exodus Youth Works runs out of the center? 
Well, we have our counsel counselling services and we have iWorks, which is a pre-ready employment. And we have our art therapy group and we have our pastoral care inside the Coptic colleges. And uh, we have casework and mentoring, of course, and our seniors program that's been added uh, now for two years and many more. Um, it's uh, a lot to list. Yeah, well, it's certainly a, a, a lot of work that is going on there and many, many different uh, programs. And uh, are there ones that uh, you think are more uh, successful or uh, there is more emphasis on particular programs? Um, of course, our flagship uh, program is the Connect Meeting, which happens every Monday night, and that sort of pulls in people from whom we serve into one room for a forum. We have guest speakers. We have dinner at 7 p.m. every Monday night, which is really lovely. And our Go With Purpose, which is a volunteer international volunteer program, which has been taking people into South Africa for 20-something uh, years. So these are the two big ones. iWorks is also growing quickly um, according to budget. So we're able to engage young people that need um, guidance in finding out where they're going for their future. Uh, currently, we're eight to ten uh, clients in the iWorks program. Everything else is open to the public. So we take people in when we can and however way we can. That's really great. And uh, I guess these programs, you know, really engage uh, uh, the people and the, that you're trying to assist uh, their Exodus Youth Works. And I, I'm glad to hear that all of this is continuing to grow and to expand. And later on, we may talk about particularly the missions that you've been doing uh, to South Africa with uh, His Eminence Metropolitan Antonius Marcos and how has this affected the clients that you are working with. Debbie, your arts and culture program sounds like an innovative idea to get young people involved in something they love. And many of the youth at your center, I'm sure, have many creative talents. And I know you even have a recording studio for them. How was this program developed? So about six years ago, we had a young man that was living in one of our crisis centers, and he stayed with us for five years. He did a Bachelor of Audio Engineering, and then he went on to do youth work studies. So we combined the two skills of that young man and created a recording studio by which other young people, of course, interested in music and recording can access that studio. And all the programs really are set up, as you said, Your Grace, to engage young people. So whether it's arts through music or whether it's um, spoken word, we've had many, many uh, huge nights uh, with 100 plus people in for spoken word where people can... Um, through their own passion and their own words, display their journey of brokenness and where they're at. It's a good way of expression. So, yeah, all these things do engage young people, and that's 
that's the trick, I guess. Yeah, I think that's really excellent. But uh, what other types of... uh, So, yeah, first of all, I was going to ask, uh, do they record albums there or they record songs and so on? What, what type? How is the studio being used? And then what other types of arts uh, activities are there? Yeah, they do record all kinds of music. We do try and sort of, you know, filter uh, that, whatever's going on down there. So it could be spoken word. It could be just songs. It could be beats. Uh, there's a young man who's followed in the footsteps of the first uh, member of Exodus. He's studying audio engineering, and he's trying to produce beats that can be sold. So this will be his um, profession in the future, hopefully. Right, right. Um, yeah, so it's just whatever skill we see or whatever passion we see in that young person, we will we will build a program around that so that they keep coming in and keep engaging with Exodus because it's a holistic service. So we Mm. might get them in for recording or we might get them into the Connect meeting, but then supporting them through counselling, mentoring, uh, finding them a job, getting them back into school. We've had uh, a young lady that dropped out of school when she was 15 and only now she's completely employed and uh, back on track and back with her family. So... Whatever it takes, Exodus YouthWorks as an organization, we will try our best to deliver. That's really great. Um, And other types of arts that are there at the center? Mm, We've had um, our sports fitness people. So someone generously donated a personal fitness trainer. So once or twice a week, um, our guys from iWorks would be given uh, private lessons, not really arts, but certainly mm-hmm. other other interests. Yes. Um, we've had T-shirt making. We mm-hmm. ran a T-shirt business for a while there oh. with a young person that was passionate about T-shirt design. Excellent, excellent. That's uh, you know, all these programs are keeping these young people engaged. And uh, as you said before, that you know there is social workers there and in a in a way that is not uh, formal, they can have very important discussions with them. So mm-hmm. one, one of the senior case managers at the Exodus Youth Works, Janet Habashi, said, every day I come into work, I really feel blessed to be doing something that I really love. Why do you think that is, Debbie? Mm, for many reasons, Your Grace. One is that we get to venture into a realm of the impossible. Sometimes these stories are quite horrific. Sometimes they're quite challenging. And who wouldn't want to see the hand of God in their work every day? And we know that we can't do it without him. So seeing young people turning their lives around, yes, definitely a benefit, definitely seeing them to a safe place. But um, for a lot of us, it's witnessing the hand of God and that is what draws me every day. And I know many others here, Kuro, would agree. Who wouldn't? Who would want to miss out on that? Mm. Um, seeing this transformation is uh, uh, seeing God's hand truly at work. And sometimes in, in ministry, 
You know, we don't get to see this on a regular basis, but I think that you probably see this on a daily basis. So it's very, very inspirational. Debbie Jenner uh, spoke highly of the LifeWorks program and how she had the opportunity to assist young people referred to Exodus Youth Works by juvenile justice, went to court with them, and even visited some in prison. That must not be a walk-in-the-park type of ministry. Please share some more about this. Yeah, it's not an easy um, service at all. So we do support young people that are facing legal matters in court, and sometimes that, that does lead for them to be incarcerated for a period of time. We can continue visiting them so that um, we don't lose the connection. And so when they come out, we can re-engage and get them back on track. Often coming out of jail means that they're going to be um, isolated or judged uh, by the community. might mean that getting a job is difficult. So we will engage with them through our iWorks program until we can find proper work for them. The LifeWorks program is a branch of iWorks. So we take 10 lessons into public schools. So our youth workers and our social workers, including Janet, uh, visited many public schools in our area, taking the program in, addressing 10 students at a time, and giving them life skills. Often these kids would be struggling and at risk at the public school. And by participating in that program, they have full access to every service at Exodus. And all our services are free. There is no charge. So post uh, LifeWorks 10 weeks program, they would come through Exodus. They would continue counseling and often be part of other programs. So it's really trying to find solutions to uh, future problems and trying to really help these young people to stay on track with their, with their lives. So how many people would access this service? Uh, in previous years, we keep statistics. So we're looking at about 3,000 feet through the door every, every year. That's a with lot of people. The, yeah, it's a lot. And now when we have our pastoral care. So we would see 20 classes in the Coptic colleges every week. So we're looking at about 600 kids where our programs are in front of. And we're a firm, we are a firm belief that early intervention um, plays a huge part in trying to anticipate what, what might come uh, into a young person's life and addressing it before it gets critical. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's a lot of people. Mm. Mm. Uh, that early intervention, I think, is very, very important uh, to try to, you know, curb huge problems that may happen in the lives of these young people in the future. If I can bring Corollas now into our, uh, into our discussion. Uh, Corollas, what are some of the main crises that youth are facing and, uh, and coming to Exodus Youth Works with? Uh, yeah, look, I think um, probably two main ones are from my experience. The first would definitely be drug and alcohol abuse. Um, it seems to be a 
a very tricky um, thing to, to deal with when the youth present with this issue. Um, and, you know, as we can all imagine, the impact that, you know, drug and alcohol abuse has on these young people is, is huge and, you know, impacts all areas of their life. So that's definitely a big one for our youth. The second will probably be mental health issues or mental illness. Um, again, something like mental health, um, you know, if it's not managed, the, the negative impact that it can have on all aspects of the youth's life um, is, is pretty big. So when, yeah, youth present with mental illness that isn't managed, um, you know, it, yeah, they, they present in crisis and it's, it's sometimes tricky for us to sort of pick that up. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, yeah, drug, drug and alcohol abuse and mental health will be the two biggest things for our youth. So do you find that the two are related together, that youth that are involved in drugs and alcohol also have mental issues? Yes, I think they're very much related and, and from both sides. So um, somebody with mental health issues um, as a way to sort of self-medicate, you know, that they turn to drugs or alcohol or their decision-making obviously is impacted and they'll turn to drugs and alcohol or the other way. So mm. a youth who uses drugs or alcohol, um, you know, what we call maybe drug-induced psychosis where, you know, they, they'll develop or they'll worsen their, their mental health um, because of the, the drugs or the alcohol that they're abusing. Right. And what percentage would be coming with mental health issues? Um, look, a, a very high percentage. I think for youth that for one reason or another come to us or access our service or refer to us, Obviously, there's something going on where they needed a service like Exodus to get involved with them. So a lot of the time, whatever the presenting issue is, a lot of the time you'll find there is an underlying mental health concern. And sometimes it's, it's a bit more severe and they've got a formal diagnosis that can be medicated. Um, sometimes it's not, not as severe, but still plays a part in, in the issue that they're having. So I think mental health features in a lot of the, the mm. clients that, that come to us at Exodus. Yeah. I think there's still a stigma within the Coptic community about uh, people that suffer depression or suffer mental health issues, and uh, it's looked down upon. So really, the exodus uh, is trying to help with these cases or these uh, young people that are suffering from this is, is really critical. So what do you do to be able to help uh, these young people with the uh, drug and alcohol related uh, matters? So we intake all of our clients and we get as much information um, as we can. And then we, we sort of tailor the support um, that's needed for that client. So depending on their circumstances, depending on how long they've had this issue and depending on what they've accessed before or what strategies, maybe what approaches they've tried before. So we get as much information as we can on the client. And then we make a decision as to, I guess, the best course of action to, to try and support that young person. Um, and it ranges from a lot of sometimes just being connected within the community, accessing our programs, um, us providing them with some psychotherapy, some counselling. Mm. Um, and then to the more extreme case where we, you know, book them into, you know, inpatient rehab uh -huh. um, and, yeah, and go through the whole process uh, with rehabilitation. And you also have like uh, short courses or lectures by professionals that may come into uh, Exodus Youth Works uh, to speak to people about some of these matters and to try to uh, give them some deeper knowledge about the dangers of some of these issues. Yes, definitely. So I think um, through the Connect meeting, a lot of the time we'll get, you know, if the topic is uh, mental health or drug and alcohol, we'll, we'll bring on a guest speaker and a professional to sort of 
dig into, the, you know, the, the whole realm of whatever the topic is. Um, so mental health, you know, how to identify it, you know, when it starts, what, where to go to access support, um, the outcomes of it, and, you know, talking through their experience about, you know, when it's unmanaged and it gets worse, what the outcome is and the impact that it has on, on the individual and, and the family and everyone that is connected to the individual. So definitely professionals, we, we bring them in. We try to as much as we can um, for all of us as the staff to, to get, you know, adequate training and, and to be updated on the research and the theory and the knowledge um, in all these areas as well so we can best best help our clients. Um, but definitely there, there are a lot of professionals out there that, that know a lot about these topics and we try and utilize them as best as we can. Yeah, so really you're taking a holistic approach in the way that you serve uh, uh, the people that that are coming to the center and not just caring for them, but also giving advice to their parents or loved ones as well. So this holistic approach to ministry at Exodus Youth Works, I think is the, why, one of the main reasons behind your success. So Krolos, as the, as the welfare manager, I'm interested to know of some of the most difficult cases you have had to deal with and how was Exodus Youth Works able to turn them around? Yeah, so what comes to mind, I guess um, some of our people who have had a long-standing issue with drug and alcohol, that's always a very tough road and a very long journey. I guess for us, um, you know, our persistence with these clients, our availability to these clients, um, you know, when they relapse or when they're in crisis or when things go wrong. Um, so we're in it for the long haul with these clients, which makes a big difference. Um, for us to build meaningful, um, you know, relationships and we engage uh, with our clients and build that rapport with them makes a big difference to, to the outcome and to the success of the, the service that we provide. So to really get to know these clients and to have that deep relationship with them where they trust us and they, you know, connect with us and we're able to, to sort of have some traction with them, it's very, very important. Um, yeah, dr drug and alcohol cases are, are difficult. Um, the whole domestic violence scene for us as well, it's very, very confronting. Mm. Um, they're some of our most serious cases as well, again, because it impacts a lot of people within that family. There's children involved, there's victims involved, even for the, you know, the, the for a lot of the time, to generalise, for a lot of the time, the men that, that choose to use the violence, if you dig a bit deeper and, you know, go into their history, there's usually some trauma there and, and things going on. So for everyone... Um, that's involved. It's yeah. It's it's not easy. It's very confronting, and there's we've had some difficult cases there as well. Mm. So, Carlos, domestic and uh, to go on from that, domestic and family violence also affects the Coptic community. And we had the sad situation in Sydney last year with the murder of Jehan Carlos, who was stabbed to death by her husband. In one of your newsletters, you mentioned a case study of Mary and John not their real names. Can you tell us how you helped this family and what were the circumstances? Yeah, so this family, um, yes, the names have been changed, obviously, for confidentiality, but this family came to us um, where the, the woman was disclosing um, being a victim of domestic violence. Um, so we were fortunate enough to have one of our, our male caseworkers, um, Pablo, not to mention names, he's a fantastic caseworker, um, where we allocated the case to him. Um, I guess because of his, he's got a very keen interest in this space, and I guess because of his training and, and his expertise, he was able to engage the husband really, really well, um, and sort of you know connect with him and build that rapport with him. 
um, which set the groundwork for Pablo to be able to, to engage him and to work with him and to effect change. Um, we, we approach this matter um, on multiple levels. So a few of the home visits, um, you know, Pablo went out with member of the clergy from the community. Um, Debbie as well was, was involved in that intervention. Um, and we sort of approached the family as a whole. We worked with, with the wife and the victim. There were children involved. Pablo engaged the male really well and we were able to sort of intervene um, on that level and we got a, a great outcome, thank God. Um, Pablo, yeah, did some good work with this gentleman. Um, and I guess being trained in that space, uh, what we call men's behaviour change, um, there's obviously a, a certain sort of process and, a, and an approach um, that's followed to, to engage these men um, to, to bring up, you know, what's happening and, and I guess to lead the men on, on the journey to accept responsibility for their mm. decisions, for their behaviour, um, for them to be held accountable uh, for the decisions that, that they make and then to work with them to change the, the negative behaviour. So that was, a, that was a great outcome, thank God. That's really excellent work because I think I'm not speaking negatively about our clergy, but sometimes they are not trained in these uh, uh, things. And so many times they may actually have an opposite effect or they may not be able to be effective enough to solve an issue like this. So having someone uh, amongst your staff that has expertise, how to engage with that male, how to begin changing his behavior uh, so that this family can reunite again and live peacefully a Christian life. Um, so that we avoid issues like what happened with that uh, poor victim of Jehan last year. Uh, Debbie, how many staff do you have working with you and what type of formal or informal training do they have? And do you have volunteers as well? Well, as of today, we're looking at nine paid staff in, in our Sydney office and we've got one manager in London and one manager in Cape Town. So 11 all in total. And we have a huge volunteer program. So we have someone that uh, brings people in, makes them, uh, has an induction with them, teaches them and shows them around. And then I think we couldn't do without our volunteers. They're absolutely wonderful and they do so much for us. Um, so... The majority of the staff, um, seven, are all social workers, and we are—we've been like that for many, many years. Kiro coming on board, being chief operating officer, is overseeing all of welfare now, which allows me just to continue uh, building and um, outreaching mm. to our community. I think you know having a great uh, number of volunteers is critical for the organization um, and I think more and more young people are getting excited about the work that you're doing there and I think that they are also benefiting so much from serving uh, the people that are in need. So Debbie, this leads me to uh, the question of funding again. I know that His Grace Bishop Daniel in Sydney is very supportive of the work and allocates funds for counselling. Um, are there government financial grants that you apply for? Are there companies and NGOs that are supporting uh, your work? Are there donations from the community? Um, and uh, give us some idea of those people that may be inspired today 
how they can support you and uh, and make donations. Certainly, we wouldn't have our doors open uh, without the the generous donations of our community, but mostly Coptic community, the majority, but also um, there are non-Coptic people that donate into Exodus. We do write around 20 to 30 grants per year. It's a tough gig. We don't always win them, but um, in the last three months, I think we've managed about $18,000 worth of grants. Um, His Grace Bishop Daniel pays uh, part of a um, a wage, a package for a psychologist, and the donations cover the other side of that. But I think Kira would agree we could triple that in a heartbeat. Uh, we have phone counselling now; everything is free. So, you know, it's a it's a a space within Exodus that is growing very very quickly. And other agencies do rely on Exodus for that counselling. So, yes, if uh, it's an interesting synergy. We love our work and I'm sure a lot of people would join us. However, if they're at work or they've got families, by donating, they keep our doors open and our hands working inside the community. It's a wonderful Mm. um, partnership with the people here in the Coptic churches in Australia. And we're very, very grateful. Oh, God bless all of those donors and may God keep the doors of Exodus continually open. Could you tell our viewers and listeners uh, how they can donate, please? Very easily. Straight to our website, which is www.exodusyouthworks. Works with a W-O-R-X at the end, which represents the cross at the path of everywhere we go. So exodusyouthworks.org.au. And you can donate online via PayPal. Nice and easy. Very good. And we'll, Thank you, uh, Your Grace. You're welcome. And can they also uh, donate by credit card or is it just PayPal? Absolutely. Everything is there on the website. Very good. Yes. And we'll put up that website again uh, in the podcast, uh, in the notes and also on the YouTube. So, Carlos, are there instances where Exodus was unable to help certain individuals and why? Um, yes, there has been instances of grace. Um, I guess capacity is a big one. So we're obviously limited um, in the number of staff we have, in the reach that we have. Um, there's a big need, as Debbie's mentioned, for, for this work um, in our community. And we are limited in regards to the resources and the staffing that we have. We have our main office, our headquarters in a suburb called Rockdale here in Sydney. Um, so, you know, distance to the referrals that we get from out west and things like that, sometimes we can't. We can't take those cases on. When we can't, we do our best to refer to some local maybe organisations or non-government organisations that may be able um, to provide support. Um, other instances where we, we try and we do the best that we can, but for some reason, um, or like you know, Your Grace mentioned earlier, sometimes there's some resistance um, to this, this stuff in our community um, and we have trouble engaging some people sometimes. Um, and I guess, you know, 
you know, your grace raised that before. And I guess I'd just like to, to, to acknowledge that, that yes, there, there is maybe some level of resistance in our community, things like mental health. There's a stigma around counselling about people sort of finding out or just an embarrassment or a shame that we're having to deal with this stuff. Um, and that's something that we're trying very hard to break here at Exodus so we can, I guess, reach as, as many people as we can and have as big of an impact as we can. You know, mental illness is no different than any other illness. We, we all get sick. We go to the doctor. There's no shame in that. Yes. Um, it's the exact same thing. It's just an illness of the mind. Um, it's very prevalent in our community. It's very prevalent in our society. Um, everyone's got something going on, myself included. We're all in, you know, we're all doing life together. Um, so we're trying to really break this, this stigma and this shame about accessing services when things aren't going so well. Mm. So at, at what point when you're dealing with a particular case that's very difficult that you feel you need to abandon the case and that you cannot continue with it? Uh, so if we, if we intake a referral and we have the capacity to, to um, take it on, we will and we'll allocate it and we won't sort of uh, abandon an allocated case until we get the outcome that we need or until circumstances you know, happen that, that we can't do anymore. Um, if the client disengages, um, that's probably the main reason why we may sort of abandon a case that is allocated. If we can't get to the client, if they choose to disengage, um, we, we'll do what we can to, to, to hang on. But, you know, ultimately it's their decision. And the only other time, I guess, we'll abandon a case is if there's any safety or risk issues for any of the staff. Um, yes. That, you know, we make a decision that for our safety or, or the safety of our staff, we, we can't continue for, for whatever of reason. Of course, of course. Thank you for that. <laughs> so, Debbie, no now you also have a ministry for seniors, which I found very, very interesting. And why is that necessary? Well, again, it, go, it gets back to the family unit and uh, a holistic approach to service. We found that we were being told by young people that their grandparents, they don't see them very often and they're disconnected for distance or a family breakdown. So when we approached them, the seniors were very keen to have Facebook accounts so that they could see their families online. And we began to have Facebook tuition uh, in small groups. And then we found that when we had young people in the building, they engaged with the teters and the geddos really, really in a lovely way. <laughs> and both parties were benefiting from this engagement. So we just extended that. And it's really lovely. During the holidays, all our children or grandchildren are here in the center, in a vacation center, uh, vacation activities. And they love um, celebrating and being with the seniors. So really, it's just this connection that keeps, this network that just keeps building at Exodus. And Kiro's wife this morning was the registered nurse giving the senior group uh, instruction in hygiene during the COVID period. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Well, I so think... The whole family's involved. Yeah. Having that connection of the younger generations with the grandparents is critical for both and both of them learn from each other so i think that's a very important uh, project that you are working on although now 
it seems that more of the older generations are on Facebook and the younger ones are moving away <laughs> from Facebook and going to Instagram and uh, to other uh, platforms like that. Yes. Um, uh, Kira, tell me more of how this ministry expanded to the wider Australian community and not just copped. Yeah, so look, we, we've been going for for a long time now. Um, I guess you know our, our our Christian faith, our Christian values, and and the teachings of Christ is what sort of compels us to service anyone that we can. So, following Christ's example, you know, he, he there was no Jew or Gentile, or you know, there was no differentiation between anyone that he served, from tax collectors to the sinners to the scribes to everyone that came, you know, to him that needed anything. Christ did what he could for them, and we sort of follow that lead. So anyone that presents to us that needs something from us, that we have the capacity to help, uh, we, we will. Um, acknowledging, though, we, we are sort of carried by the Coptic community. Um, the donations, for the most part, are coming from the Coptic community, and there's a real need in our Coptic community uh, for a culturally appropriate service. So, you know, formal services that we provide, like counselling, psychotherapy, case management, uh, you know, family interventions and this kind of stuff, we will prioritise um, our Coptic people to a certain extent. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of the, the programs, um, you know, all our Connect meeting, our art therapy, our Bible studies, all the um, the social sort of events that we have, even our case management and, and our counselling and psychology, case-by-case um, -case scenario, whenever there's a need, we do as much as we can to, to accommodate that need, Coptic or non-Coptic. Mm, mm, wonderful. So, Debbie, it is very clear that this is now a growing and vital ministry that has spread to other parts of the world, such as South Africa and in the UK. So, how did that happen? Uh, uh, and can you tell us a little bit more how uh, this expansion took place? So, the latest edition has been the London office, and this came directly from an invitation by his his. Grace Bishop Angelos, yes, uh, who has been a friend of Exodus for forever, and so whenever he was in Sydney, he would always come and visit and join the Connect meeting, and he desired that an office would be open in London. We spent a year researching, looking for the right manager. We came um, through his Grace's guidance to a wonderful woman called Tara Hanna, and. The office has now been open for a year, and uh, she's done a wonderful job getting Exodus and the Coptic community and the name of the Coptic community into the streets of London. So that's how that came about. With South Africa, we were always going uh, to outreach and mission trips uh, to Johannesburg. And then we've branched down now to Cape Town for community development. And we have uh, some, got about four different programs running out of townships in Cape Town. So a feeding food program and uh, education program for preschool and high school kids and a matriculation class, which is a pilot program in South Africa where it's all done online through um, a program that is pretty much um, 
It's coming from the United States of America and it's year 11 and 12 and the students can do their matriculation online. We hire a teacher and we get them over the line, God willing, and then into employment, which we've got, you know, our kids and our young people in South Africa have pretty much no chance of getting employment if they're living in the townships. Mm. So that's been going, it's been organically growing for the last 25 years from the church outreach with His Eminence and into Cape Town now where we're set up. There's no church down there, so we're on our own in Mm. Cape Town. Well, that's incredible that you can give that opportunity to those young people of a future, you know, getting them educated and then hope for a, a employment and a job um, without Exodus there, maybe they were, would never have had such an opportunity. So God, God bless you for this. So Debbie, what does the future hold for Exodus Youth Works? What are your hopes and dreams? Uh, we were asked this the other day, weren't we, Kira? Well, you know, through the graces of God, we hope that Tara and Moses Tadros, who is in Cape Town, are able to grow Exodus in those places. We are hoping that uh, Sydney-based Exodus grows with more social workers, with more capacity, because we really do want to serve more. We're hoping that our contacts and our partnerships within Egypt, um, we've had many invitations from bishops there to have uh, an Exodus service. With COVID in the way, we've been... um, Things have stalled, but we're hoping, God willing, in the coming years to be also in Egypt working alongside the wonderful service that the Coptic Church does to its people. They're even more advanced, I feel, in social welfare than the lands of immigration. So Amber Ashea, Amber Martiros are running wonderful programs, and if we could join alongside them, we would be very wonderfully grateful and excited about that. So growth is where we hope to go. mm, Well, they probably have um, many more human resources there, and uh, Mm. that's probably why they can do a bit more of that ministry. But I'm sure also the expertise that you bring is going to even enhance those ministries in Egypt uh, much more. Thank you both for that. We'll be right back to conclude with a few questions for you to think about this week and also something to pray about too. As you can see from this conversation with Debbie and Kiro, that this is what is truly mean, what it truly means to get down and dirty and into the depths of washing the feet of our sisters and brothers. How to truly serve without judging others, no matter their race, color, or faith, or their outer appearance even. The Lord Jesus Christ looks at the heart, the inner being, and transforms it according to his will. In the first book of Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7, it reads, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It reminds me of a story of a youth at my church many years ago. One of the senior deacons decided to judge this 
his outer appearance, his haircut, his shirt, and so on. He had harsh words to say to this young man who was also a deacon. That young man left the church that day and never returned, sadly. Obviously, much was going on in his life, but this was, so to speak, the last straw. Our words can kill. So next time you come to judge someone, ask yourself, am I better than that person? Look inwards at the plank in your own eye. So my questions for you to contemplate on at the end of this inspiring and wonderful three-part series on Exodus Youth Works. One, what inspired you about Debbie and Kiro's work at Exodus? Think about that this week. Two, will you think to reach out to one or two broken people that you know and truly be their friend along this tough journey of life and bring them a word of hope and inspiration and find practical ways to support them? And three, do you think that you can bring this ministry of Exodus Youth Works to the attention of the clergy in your parish and think how such a ministry could begin in your area? Think and contemplate about these three questions, please. And the prayer. Can you pray with me this week and actually make it a permanent part of your daily prayers to first of all be thankful for everything you have that God has given you? We do not thank God enough under all circumstances. And secondly, pray for those who have no one to remember them, the homeless, those under the bondage of certain addictions and cannot seem to break through, for women who are living with family violence and are too afraid to reach out for help, for victims of child sexual abuse and for everyone who is broken and in need of healing. Ask the Lord Christ to extend His mighty hand of healing to all those in crisis and to mend their wounds with his tender, loving care. Thank you again to my two wonderful and inspirational guests today, Debbie Armanius, the director of Exodus Youth Works, and Kiro Salib, the welfare manager of Exodus. You have both enriched this podcast, and I hope inspired many out there to think about innovative ways such as Exodus Youth Works to serve their local communities. Thank you both. And uh, if you have any final words for our viewers and listeners, it uh, would be wonderful to hear from both Debbie and Kiro before we conclude. I'll start. Uh, thank you, Your Grace, for this opportunity in sharing the service and Christ with us. We've really enjoyed the, the discussion and the coffee with you. Thank you for your time and God bless your service. Thank you for including us. We're very, very blessed. I'm honored to, uh, to have this podcast and to host these three uh, important sessions on your inspiring work. Thank you, Debbie. Hero? 
Thank you so much, Sayed. No, I second what Debbie said. We really appreciate the opportunity um, to, to share what we do. Thank you so much. And just asking for your grace's prayers and all your viewers, uh, they can pray for the service. Um, you know, and God willing, anyone everywhere can, can do what they can to, to sort of support those that, that need it most. Um, yeah, we're all in it together. So hopefully we can mm. get good outcomes for everyone, everyone involved. Thank Thanks. you, Sayed. Thanks very much, Thank Giro. And uh, I hope that... Uh, you don't end up with any gray hairs and that <laughs> this uh, ministry that you're oh, doing can be very, very fruitful for you. Thank you Thank both you, again. Sarah. Thank you so much. Until next week, be inspired by the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. Be sure to tune in next week when His Grace will be joined by Phoebe Farag McHale, the author of Putting Joy into Practice, Seven Ways to Lift Your Spirit from the Early Church. This will be part one of a two-part series titled Joy in Times of Suffering. Don't miss out on this stimulating conversation over a cup of coffee and make sure you have a copy of her book handy to better follow the discussion. To join the conversation, please visit our website, coffeewithbishopsuriel.org. And don't forget, after you listen, you can really help out by rating the show. Thank you for listening to Coffee with Bishop Suriel, a podcast for all things Coptic. To join the conversation, please visit our website, coffeewithbishopsuriel.org. And always remember, the best way to start any morning is with God and a cup of coffee.